Welcome to Truth Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. And today we're going to be speaking about what's happening in Pakistan and democracy there. And um, the uh, crackdown on some repression or on democracy. Um, that and maybe also your phone calls um, when we come back. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back after this. I guess, um, and also to remind, I guess I was listening on NPR earlier today that there is some cyclone heading towards Pakistan, and and um, it could impact people there. So they're bracing for that. That would actually hit the borders of Pakistan and and uh, India. Um, so that and more uh, when we come back. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back. Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with uh, Ahmed and um, Samar and um, there's some interesting Pakistani uh, folk music that was playing and I'm now joined my, with my co-host Samar. Samar, did you uh, understand any of the music? I'm still listening to it. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. I, now it's stopped, right? No. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you have some delay on your end. Point five with uh, Ahmed and. Um, I think you have to Samar. turn off your radio. Is your radio also playing in the background? Pakistani. Oh, let me see. Um, me. Yeah, you have to turn off your radio. Okay, yeah, we can't have that. My co-host Summer. Summer, did you understand I'm, any of the music? Uh, no. I'm hearing my uh, own music and Summer's um, side, so that's not good. Yeah, we can't. 
um, have that at the same time. So uh, while she corrects that, um, on today's program, well, uh, a lot has been happening. You know that Imran Khan, who is a prime minister of Pakistan, um, was removed by Parab from the parliament uh, sometime last year, and there's just been turmoil uh, since then. He's had uh, these mass protests and sit-ins across the country, and he's now pointing the finger at the military. Um, Pakistan, which happens to be a nuclear-powered country, um, and borders with India and, you know, having it uh, be unstable is obviously of great concern to people. So um, we'll be speaking to a expert and a professor from uh, Pakistan uh, about that uh, shortly. Missy, if uh, Summer is back with us. Yeah. Good morning, uh, Ahmed. I think I had, I was listening to True Talk on the computer. So... Um, you know, it hides like you have to uh, um, you have to look for it where uh, WMNF just where it's playing just... from because you have multiple <laughs> tabs on your yeah. on your screen. So I was, yeah, I was looking for it. So I was still listening to the music that you picked. But I think, Ahmed, we need to thank our supporters because True Talk uh, met the goal in the fund uh, drive. Um, I think we exceeded our goal, but still. Uh, it's not a bad idea to encourage people who are listening to uh, call in and uh, donate to WMNF. Um, they can get nice T-shirt if they pay eighty-eight dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, so thank actually, you so much. Yeah, I actually got the T-shirts, and um, uh, because you know, I also I'm, su- I like. I'm supporter. Yeah, and I like it. I like the sage uh, green. I like the new logo. It's pretty cool. So you can still. Do that by calling by going online at wmnf.org and going to the tip jar um, or make a donation. Make sure you select True Talk from the list so we know that the support is coming. You know for True Talk, and you can pick the T-shirt, eighty-eight dollars and fifty cents. There's also one that's um, that has a colored logo uh, on there, uh, but you can also. I my favorite is the sage green with just the uh, black logo. Were you yes, able to get like, any of those T-shirts? Yeah, I got one for myself and one for my husband because he also donated to get the T-shirt. And I love it. He went to work <laughs> with it. Already? Okay. Yeah, during, yeah, during the weekend, uh, he was wearing it. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is a nice T-shirt. And then he looks at me and he says, you got it for me. And then I noticed it's the WMNF T-shirt. So I went and I wore mine. Those so, t- yes, they're beautiful. All right. Those t-shirts come handy. I, uh, I think the last fun drive, I you know got some from my uh, son and daughter. And uh, I was at the gym the other day with him. Um, he's into the gym now. So to spend time with him, I'm going to the gym. And, well, I don't want people to think I'm a gym rat or anything. I'm not really you know, going to the gym that often. I haven't gone for years, but... It was interesting to see him wearing WMNF at the gym. Mm. Um, it was the black T-shirt. I think, you know, I forgot what it says. I think you listen to WMNF and wake up and repeat, something like that. So, Samar, um, what, you were the one that basically said last week to me, hey, we haven't talked about Pakistan in a while. Let's do something about Pakistan. Why did you want to do that? And, you know, what sparked it? 
I have a number of followers who are from Pakistan on Twitter. And we in the Arab world, uh, and I'm talking about people in the Arab world, but because I tweet in Arabic, so I consider myself a part of that world, we don't pay attention a lot uh, to the issues that are happening in Kashmir or Pakistan. Maybe to a larger extent, we do pay attention to what is happening in India and Islamophobia and Moody government. But there was something quite interesting happening that one of my followers who is a lawyer was arrested. And I didn't even pay attention that he was arrested. Only when he was released, because there was a huge outrage, that I paid attention that this is one of the people who uh, we, uh, we follow each other. He's a lawyer and he has like, half a million followers in Pakistan, very uh, reputable. So I said, you know, I really need to pay attention. Why would they arrest him? Because he is like open-minded, he's a lawyer. There is nothing uh, questionable about him or his character and activities. But it turns out he is one of the people who are trying to draw attention to what is going on in Pakistan, which is trying to assassinate a former elected prime minister. So what is happening with Imran Khan, uh, and I don't want to talk a lot about him. I want uh, Junaid to talk about him when when he joins us, uh, that uh, not only there is an attempt to silence him uh, politically or uh, to keep him away from politics and re-election. No, Ahmed, there are attempts to assassinate him. And when they can get to him, they get to people who are uh, exposing what is going on or writing about it or tweeting about it. And this is very alarming because Uh, People need to know that this is going on with the absolute uh, collaboration of the U.S. government, that we are part of what is going on in Pakistan. And as I told you, I am hoping that uh, Junaid Ahmed will uh, join us. He is teaching a class in uh, Islamabad in Pakistan, and he told me he finishes about uh, 12 p.m. Yeah, I think he's going to be joining us uh, now. Um, I do also... Um, want to mention that that, um, right now there's actually a cyclone that just made landfall uh, on the border of Pakistan and India um, at the port of um, Jakau, which is near Gujarat and, uh, you know, very close to Karachi. So, uh, you know, we're praying for the safety of people there because, um, you know, Karachi especially is a, um, and that whole region is, um, you know, at sea level or below, and there's concern that there will be flooding. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people seem to have been evacuated, and there's a lot of concern about what's happening there um, because of the floods that happened last year. And now we're joined by Professor Junaid Ahmed. Um, Go ahead and introduce him. I'm happy to say that we are joined by Professor Junaid Ahmed. He teaches law, religion, and world politics, but he's also the director of the Center for the Study of Islam and Decoloniality in Islamabad, Pakistan. And I had the pleasure of being on a panel discussion maybe three, four, five years ago, I can't remember, at an event 
at, uh, at Istanbul, in Istanbul uh, talking about uh, many, many issues. Uh, but I think my role was about uh, the Israeli lobby and its role in the Arab-Israeli conflict. So I'm very happy to have uh, Junaid join us from Pakistan. Good evening, uh, Professor Ahmed. You need to unmute your uh, mic, uh, Junaid. Yes, good evening and salamu alaikum. And so I'm, yeah, I'm equally happy to once again join you uh, virtually. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's it's wonderful to to reconnect after such a long time. So that's I wonderful. Know that, I know that you were just teaching uh, a class and uh, I hope uh, the whole country is safe from the cyclone. But yes. and, uh, I was reading your very interesting article uh, that uh, was published probably a few weeks ago. Um, uh -huh. I think, yeah. It's uh, the title is Pakistan's coup regime tries to arrest Imran Khan, but faces massive popular resistance yet. Uh, and it, it's maybe it's a month old, uh, but I noticed from following and I was telling Ahmed, I have many followers who are from Pakistan and one of the uh, very famous lawyer, uh, his name escapes me, but I can get it for you, was arrested. And again, because of popular uproar, uh, the authorities um, released him. And, and these things are obviously happening a lot in Pakistan. But before we talk about uh, that, Junaid, uh, just in case um, people don't really know much of the most recent history of uh, Pakistan. I know that there is a very uh, popular prime minister uh, who was elected uh, to power. His name is Imran Khan. And then something happened, uh, I think, uh, last year around April. So what was like um, going on politically in Pakistan, let's say two, three years ago? when Imran was elected. And if you can tell our listeners who is Imran Khan. Sure, I think that that's important. The, the background of Imran Khan coming to power in uh, 2018 is actually very important. Uh, Khan uh, effectively uh, filled a vacuum in Pakistan. And I guess this phenomena occurs, is occurring in many other countries as well. But uh, it, specifically in Pakistan, uh, the civilian uh, politicians uh, have been dominated by two political parties, the Pakistan People's Party and the Pakistan uh, Muslim League uh, of the Sharif Brothers and the, the Pakistan People's Party of the Bhutto family. And so you've had two uh, family dynasties effectively uh, who have run uh, the country for half of its existence, and the other half of the existence has been direct military rule. The military uh, has always been considered the most powerful uh, institution, but also respected, um, and the most powerful individual has, has not been the prime minister or the president, but the chief of army staff. So this is the kind of legacy of colonialism, which recruited heavily actually from uh, basically uh, parts of Pakistan for its both its military and bureaucracy. And so Khan, Imran Khan is a, a former cricketer, um, famous cricketer. He led the Pakistan cricket team in 1992 uh, to win the World Cup championship. So 
And after that, uh, considered an, an incredibly uh, a man with incredible integrity and honesty, uh, his uh, he uh, started the he established the first free cancer hospital uh, in all of Asia. Uh, named after his late mother, who had passed away by cancer. And he was just considered to be a, a great philanthropist. Um, and uh, But he, he one day, you know, uh, re- decided that uh, for fundamental transformation to take place in a, <laughs> in a corrupt country like Pakistan, uh, you have to uh, enter politics. And so he founded his political party in 1996, uh, the Pakistan Tariq-e-Insaf, means uh, Movement for Justice. And um, slowly but surely, it, it, it picked up steam. And then I think it's uh, important for listeners to know it's not easy for a third party to, uh, to enter uh, into politics when it's always been dominated by two political parties um, who effectively uh, play musical chairs and basically come to power to just pillage and plunder the country, a poor third world country like Pakistan. So uh, th- there was uh, a, a, an immense um, desire and, uh, and an appetite and hunger for someone like Imran Khan, some third force to emerge um, that would actually... Uh, you know, serve the needs of the population and not just of the corrupt elites. Uh, and so Imran Khan, uh, you can say two things that he that were the main defining features of his politics. And the, one was uh, his scathing critique of the politicians in of Pakistan, that whole political class that had been deeply corrupt and had deeply uh, plundered uh, the society, leaving it more impoverished every year. And so that was one thing. Uh, and, and of course, uh, that was not easy. These were these two political parties just happened to be the two richest families in the country as well. So politics for them was about making money. So that was one thing, which, of course, made him very, very popular in the country. And the other thing was uh, was uh, about the war on terror. Uh, his uh, principled opposition to it right from the beginning, uh, basically asserting two things, that one, it was immoral and illegal, and uh, particularly on the Afghan Afghanistan theater of the war on terror, and that it will have a huge civilian toll. And second, it's, it's going to be counterproductive. It's, it's just going to fuel more militancy. And effectively, he turned out right. I mean, uh, and I think this is one of the things, I mean, throughout this period, he would be the one leading uh, the marches against uh, drone strikes, uh, drone attacks, special American forces intervening in Pakistan, and and also the a huge spillover of that war into Pakistan, in which the United States then pressured the Pakistani military to go uh, into a- of its own areas, the tribal areas. And uh, and so he was. He's always been a pacifist. He has always opposed these types of military solutions. And I don't think that the that even um, you know what happened when he was ousted. Yes, of course, the, uh, there's tensions with the United States then. then but that those tensions uh, were there for right from nine eleven, uh, where I, and I, I I don't think the American national security state has ever forgiven him for being right on the question of Afghanistan, as we know that the, the, the Taliban came right back to power in 2021. So um, 
Imran Khan, this this was the Imran Khan. He was incredibly popular. He is still incredibly popular, but uh, it, it was it was pretty much um, understood that in the elections in 2018, um, Khan's popularity had reached such a, a level, and and the, and the parties that 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 they were probably going to win. Uh, people say that well, the, the military may have helped him in in getting into power as well. Uh, but but it was clear that he was single-handedly the most popular politician in the country. So tell me, uh, Professor uh, Junaid, what happened in April 2022? And why, uh, for instance, I think in your article, as well as, for instance, Tarak Ali, who is a very well-known um, writer and historian, they, uh, you and that you label it as a regime, uh, a U.S. bank, regime change operation what exactly yeah. happened in April yeah absolutely no that that was um, you know many uh, of our um, friends uh, liberal friends expect the uh, <laughs> the CIA to leave a paper trail of everything they do that's not exactly how regime change works so um, you know, it, it was so clear and obvious that within one month, uh, so, so many of the uh, coalition members of his, of his, both within his party and outside of his party, started to de- defect, were meeting with the U.S. Uh, ambassador uh, frequently, and uh, that uh, even in Washington, D.C., messages were you know, surreptitiously and uh, very secretively being sent that, look, if you cannot uh, uh, remove Khan by a vote of no confidence in the parliament or by by any means, then there will be consequences for Pakistan. And so both the uh, political class as well as the chief of army staff and the military high command uh, you know, received their orders, and they were obviously fed up with Khan as well, because Khan was well, Khan was actually an independent-minded uh, prime minister, unlike previous prime ministers that were there to just let the military do the, its thing while they pillage and plunder the country. Khan wanted an independent foreign policy. Khan wanted to uh, affirm. Uh, Pakistan's old position on Kashmir, and because the situation became even worse uh, during this time period for Kashmir, but but uh, also deepened the relationship with China, uh, and and of course the big uh, faux pas is to speak loudly and vocally on the question of Palestine, and 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 that was so th- this was happening at a time if we remember where all the momentum was towards normalization with Israel and and even the Gulf countries were putting pressure on Pakistan to normalize and it was it's probably the case that most of the military and civilian elites in Pakistan would be ready would would be ready and willing to do so they think that they well you know India has a close relationship and India of course is the major arch rival of Pakistan forever since their uh, inception. And so maybe we'll get benefits from that uh, in terms of surveillance technologies, uh, security arrangements and, and, and be in, in the good books of Washington. If, but Khan was basically representing the position of 99.9% of Pakistan, which completely rejected that. So this was a this is a factor often uh, not emphasized enough, but uh, the his, his position 
on Palestinian liberation and uh, and against the occupation uh, was, I think, one of the primary factors why uh, the United States and, of course, obviously Israel uh, wanted uh, him out. Uh, so, so there were a variety of factors, um, and so uh, the, the, the within one month, all of these politicians start to defect from his political party, and then they hold this vote of no confidence, trying to give it some type of constitutional veneer when we could when we could easily see it as being this type of uh, typical hybrid hybrid war, color revolution type of thing that was being stoked from the outside to get Khan out of power. Although the one difference this time, we've had civilian regimes that have been ousted by military coups or something like that, but the people have not cared at all because it had it, it did not make any difference to them whether it's the military in charge. In fact, sometimes they preferred the military in charge because these politicians are so corrupt. But this time it was different. This time we had a over now over a year long. Um, outpouring of support. Uh, and we're talking about tens, tens of millions of people on the streets in all the in, in major cities, towns, and the rural areas out in support of Khan. We, we've never seen that before in the history of this country. And so uh, th- th- that 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 uh, the United States had all of its reasons, you know, with the Pakistan's deepening relationship with China. And of course, the, the I think the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back was when Khan landed in uh, um, uh, Russia and Moscow on the day of the Russian <laughs> special military operation in in Ukraine. And of course, Khan had no foreknowledge of this, but immediately the uh, Western uh, world asked him to condemn it. While I mean, he he not he, he had not even shaken uh, uh, Putin's hand yet. But they asked him to condemn. And even when he came back, they're saying, "Okay, now issue your condemnation. And he said that, look, we're we're not slaves of anyone. And that was quoted very widely, uh, particularly in the global south. I mean, he got a lot of kind of praise from the global south. We're not the slaves, Uh, which didn't mean that he supported the invasion, but that he supported some type of diplomatic and political resolution. In fact, um, right before his ouster, uh, Pakistan hosted the Organization of Islamic Conference um, summit there, and and um, uh, very curiously, the Chinese uh, foreign minister also attended that. And in fact, Khan had uh, approached him to perhaps uh, mediate the conflict in between Ukraine and Russia. But again, all of this, you know, the United States doesn't look at any of these nuances. The American national security state just sees Khan as as this person uh, of independent minded cares about his own people, cares about uh, the people in the region, etc. And, and of course, mm-hmm. is, has taken a very strong stance against Islamophobia, as you probably all know. Um, so, I mean, Khan was, uh, was, was, has, was a leader that I think um, threatened the, not, not in, in any direct way, but just threatened, I think, the egos of, of many other Muslim leaders. <laughs> And and certainly maybe maybe the interests of of, of Western uh, of Western countries, particularly Washington, that always considered Pakistan as their client state, as their puppet state that will do anything uh, for them. So I think Khan. So yeah, th- yeah. Th- this was the story of Khan. <laughs> this is uh, True Talk on WMNF eighty eight point five. We're speaking to Junaid Ahmed. He uh, teaches religion and world politics and is the director of the center.
uh, for the study of Islam and de- decolonialism or decoloniality in Islam, Islamabad, Pakistan, where he's speaking to us today. And uh, we're speaking about Imran Khan, who has um, been ousted, you know, uh, out of power. Um, however, when he came to power, he came with a wave of popularity, and many people say, including his critics, that um, that was made possible because of the military that is now against them. So the day was there some sort of, you know, um, handshake between or an agreement, or did the military allow him to come to power? Because it appears the military is always in the background and has some sort of uh, power in or influence when it comes to elections. Right. Uh, th- this is a popular narrative uh, given mostly by pe- by critics of of, of Khan. Um, in fact, I think it was the it was the reverse uh, that Khan was destined to win that election because of the popularity. The other political parties had had so thoroughly discredited themselves that uh, they they really did not have a chance. The, why the military then kind of uh, grew closer to Khan was because they wanted to have a check on Khan. So many of the politicians, the quote-unquote electables, they themselves placed within Khan's uh, political party just to kind of have a little check on on Khan that he doesn't go, you know, his own route and that he kind of stays in line. So, in fact, it was it was the military that needed Khan much more than than Khan needed the military uh, at that point. Um, but it, it was true that. Uh, that certainly the the military at that point was also very uh, uh, angry and 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 wary of the other political parties. One political party, because those political parties, in fact, both of them, but especially the Pakistan People's Party, were openly collaborating with Washington to kind of undermine uh, interests, uh, Pakistani interests. Um, and sadly, this included Benazir Bhutto as well, who was assassinated in 2007. But but they were seen as being very close to Washington and also, uh, you know, uh, bypassing the military, uh, making their own kind of deals and arrangements and so on. And so the military uh, really couldn't trust them. And then there was a lot of truth to that as well. I mean, we were flooded. The country was flooded by these Blackwater mercenary CIA types, etc. And the uh, Pakistan People's Party government that was in power at that point was just were just letting them in freely. So there's a lot of truth to that. And so the one thing that Khan could be trusted about, but he's not going to play those types of games that these other political parties do with uh, with Washington and London and so on and so forth. So and and their position on, on Afghanistan was the same as well. That this this is an this is an occupation that's gone horribly wrong and has had a human toll. So um, the military saw uh, believe that uh, that Khan's you know views more or less are are okay on on, on foreign policy and uh, uh, and and that they share those same views. But uh, but to say that 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 the military brought him in is is I. I I think that's rather bogus because uh, there's no question. I mean, even now, after after a performance in government, which was, you know, uh, not too admirable, uh, of course, it's going to take a lot of time uh, to actually fix Pakistan. Um, 
is uh, I mean his popularity even grew more you know when <laughs> when 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 he, he was ousted from from power so no one uh, really in, in there were, I mean any uh, a serious analyst no one questions the fact that Khan um, is an incredibly popular uh, politician he is the most popular politician in Pakistan and uh, this is why uh, they have tried everything now to basically destroy it destroy him, destroy his party, and so on. And uh, we have, I know I'm fast-forwarding a year now, but now we've entered a one of the worst, uh, and I will use this, I, I choose my words carefully, but one of the worst fascist periods in, in the history of, of the nation right now. Before we get into uh, talking about that, um, but didn't Imran Khan, I mean, what blunders or uh, mistakes did or missteps that Imran Khan actually do to lead to his downfall? I mean, for, is it he was politically naive that his own party leaders like started withdrawing and turning against him? Was he trying to make change too fast? I mean, you know, he he should, uh, or it's obvious to many people, the influence and the control of the military. Um, was he just not, savvy enough to play uh, the game um, in order to achieve, uh, to continue to stay in power? Or did he just not expect them to turn against him? Or did he think that somehow, because he had so much popular support, that, you know, he was some somehow untouchable? Right. I mean, I, well, I think it's, 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 all, it's all of those things. But I do think that... Uh, in, in in brief, he he was politically naive uh, on a lot of these issues, and um, uh, the, uh, the the fact that uh, the the military also kept its uh, quote unquote electables uh, in the government that could switch sides at at any time. When you call them you electables, know, what what does that mean? Electables, the, the the traditional politicians that uh, that that always somehow get Win. into power. Like, what we call here the establishment, basically. Right, the establishment right, politicians. right. The the political right. elite. Yeah, the political elite that are used to uh, you know coming back to uh, power. You know, every every four years, whenever there's elections for the national assembly or in the parliament in Pakistan. So they, these are the. Uh, wealthy electables that uh, uh, it, it, the term establishment in Pakistan actually is used for the military establishment that that the, who really that, called the that, shots. That's who's really yeah. yeah in control. So is there really yeah. or has there ever been really true democracy in Pakistan, or has it always um, been the military rule with kind of a front of you know of democracy, kind of similar to what they've had in you know Egypt and. For, for right, decades. right. Well, I think that uh, it, th there's been period. There's been periods in which there's been more. It's been more democratic, and the military has been weaker. I mean, the the, the best example of this was after the breakup of Pakistan and East Pakistan becoming Bangladesh. The military was humiliated. The military was completely, you know, the the population didn't have. So, in fact, the civilian prime minister who became, uh, uh, yeah. Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, the father of Benazir Bhutto, who was also incredibly popular, um, and uh, so there, there was a time in which you know, um, you know, he, he he wielded power. But the irony and the tragedy was that he relied pre precisely on that same military 
to then go after his foes, uh, different provincial assemblies, etc. So the, the 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 big curse of of Pakistan is that the civilian politicians have been no better than 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 the, than the military, and so. Um, I, you know, when you say true democracy, you know, I, I don't, e- I don't even know if, uh, if that's really entirely the military's fault. The politicians themselves have been so mm-hmm. unaccountable, unaccountable to the population, and have just, uh, you know, just ripped them off in in terms of whenever they've been in power. So, uh, which has then allowed and enabled the military to just come in and and no one no one really cares. People were. Uh, when General Pervez Musharraf uh, uh, engaged in a coup in 1999 against uh, Nawaz Sharif, uh, people were distributing sweets and flowers. Right. And, and, were and then, but then afterwards, it. the same Nawaz Sharif came to power years later. It just seems like the same characters. Exactly. Once exactly. they are That's out of it. power, they go into exile, or they, you know, and the right. new government comfortable exile. Yeah, yeah brings Saudi, out cor- Saudi Arabia yeah. brings out corruption charges. They arrest them. They have these kangaroo type courts, and then somehow they manage yeah. to come back to power goes. through elections. So even though that these same people continue to be so corrupt, amassing so much yeah. wealth outside the country, yeah, yeah. poor Pakistanis are, you know are following these parties and um and have you know provides you know support yeah Imran Khan may be currently the most popular politician he has a lot of support but i remember when he was uh, still in power and i live in Tampa Florida and on friday you know i was at the masjid and that's where i you know i'm i'm not pakistani myself however uh, i have a lot of uh, friends who are from there uh, originally and most of the time I'll meet them at the mosque or masjid, you know, our house of worship, which is diverse. Right. So it has people from all areas. And I remember right. um, one gentleman who, you know, uh, on Friday, several Fridays, he would just come up to me and tell me how horrible and evil Imran Khan is, how he's the most corrupt person uh, in the <laughs> right. history of Pakistan. And, you know, he's a supporter of one of these other uh, previous uh, individuals. So, where is this yeah. zeal or this? I mean, obviously there were people against Imran Khan that saw him as a threat. Um, right. And, so and, and, and how do they convince? Yeah. How does yeah. one uh-huh. corrupt politician or like the Sharif family or the Bhutto family uh, convince right. followers that somehow Imran Khan is so bad and evil and corrupt and you know and they have a lo- a long list of attacks and criticism about how he is doing his wife is doing voodoo religion stuff and you know right. like uh you know radical things so there are all these you know attacks about who he is right right no no it's a, and 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 i think at some level you've hit the nail on the head it's not even about uh a spe- uh, like disagreements on uh on specific policy measures that he's undertaken or the the ways uh, some political decision he's taken or the other, on which, you know, people uh, who are even supporters of Khan, they raise lots of criticisms of this step, that step, they should do more on this, etc. Uh, I think that for a an entire class of, of Pakistanis, there's a uh, deeply psychological issue going on there with Khan. That's, that's not politics, but it's psychological. Khan is this Western educated, uh, you know, uh, person in, at Oxford, uh, lived a law, 
a large portion of his life abroad, etc. And I think that the, uh, you know, I, my good friend, uh, Shera Lidrin, uh, coined the term Imranophobia. But it's, it's a play off of Islamophobia in some level, too, uh, in the sense that he was expected, the lifestyle he led abroad, etc., this type of... So he was expected, you know, even if he came into politics, to kind of be like that class, be like that, what we call West toxicated class, you know, act like them, behave like them, religion is really useless, and, uh, and, and so on. They were not expecting in Imran Khan to say that, look, we need a Islamic uh, welfare state based on the state of Medina. No, this type of language was was like anathema to them. They they just could not tolerate it, the, this guy. So there's a deeply psychological, visceral hatred of him for these reasons, not for any political reasons, but just for that, that why isn't he like us? He was supposed to turn out like us. So that's one thing. But, but the other thing is that... Uh, that these you have to understand that the two the, those two political parties are deeply entrenched one the pmln of the sharif brothers uh in in punjab i mean just controlling the punjab uh uh through i mean sheer money buying off politicians etc all of that and the other one ppp from the so that they've been entrenched uh, what it, when you say these years. acronyms can you just please just elaborate for our listeners may not yeah. familiar with the geography or these acronyms that you're mentioning absolutely so the pakistan muslim league uh of the uh, sharif family the they are uh, largely their main uh, base has always been punjab and in fact this is why uh there's this huge kind of struggle going on. Punjab is the largest province in the in the country. Uh, about 60% of the population is there. Um, and it, it, it's t- it tends to be seen as the, the where like real power lies, right? So um, so they, they have been of this province and they have dominated the politics of this province. And here comes this PTI that completely messes things up and it's like it's a disaster for them and then there's the pakistan people's party uh first founded by benazir's father but zulfikar ali Bhutto in the 70s again i said he was really popular at the beginning but not so much at the end which then enabled uh a mili- the a previous military dictator zial Haq, to then um judicially get him executed hang um so i the, the, and their their base is largely in the province of sin mm. uh, although again uh i mean uh when benazir came back uh in the late 80s and 90s of course they had support in, in punjab as well uh, but but their main base of support has always been sin the interesting thing about uh, about imran khan's political party is that it's probably been the first national political party we've actually had in, in the country in the sense that the popularity of the party it, it runs across provincial and ethnic lines. Uh, so it's uh, KPK of, uh, probably the most, but uh, of course in Punjab, in Balochistan, and in, in, in Karachi, especially the, the, the main uh, city of Pakistan, the largest city of Pakistan. So his, his was actually the first probably national political party that wasn't like really based in one specific province or based to one specific ethnicity. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, that there's uh, the, the critics of, of, of the Khan can be, I mean, there can be very legitimate criticisms of, of policy decisions and this type of thing. But I think that uh, 
the 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 loyalty uh, even of those people that um that i mean don't don't benefit enough i mean you can an, uh, analogize it to, to to maybe trump you know uh working class people that think trump is going to be their savior i mean obviously some <laughs> then don't really see those results but continue to believe in in in, in the phenomena um and 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 that's that's the case in with the Pakistan People's Party i mean the rural areas landlords are these uh PPP high electables, as I was saying, these traditional political class, they'll get the votes every single time, despite the enormous exploitation and suffering taking place. It's it's one of those ironies of life. But uh, but and and the same was in Punjab. But uh, PTI demolished all of that, and this is why that when I said that vote of no confidence, it right now since that time it has effectively taken. All of the rest of the political parties and classes of Pakistan, all of them coming together, along with the military high command and establishment, along with foreign countries, Washington, to to get this guy out of power. Okay, so, I mean, you you can get a sense just by that fact. These parties that otherwise hate each other, they've all combined. You have a 14 party coalition government right now. That uh, just to just to keep Khan and and mm-hmm. his and his party out of power. Summer, and, go ahead. And for, yeah, please. Yeah. Let me just remind our listeners uh, listening to True Talk on WMNF eighty eight point five FM. My co-host Ahmed Bidir and myself are talking to Professor Junaid Ahmed who teaches law, religion, and world politics uh, in Islamabad. Pakistan, but he's also the director of the Center for the Study of Islam and the Coloniality. Maybe another time we can talk about uh, that. But um, mm-hmm. you alluded, I want to go back uh, to his uh, foreign policy because uh, many people and observers, especially independent uh, Pakistanis, uh, say that uh, you know, it's not only uh, Imran Khan is facing his own constituents, but also he is getting a lot of pressure from uh, outside the world. Uh, for instance, uh, I know that you mentioned in your article uh, Ned Price and talking about the IMF and the wow. need for Pakistan to borrow from the IMF. But there is also something that I never heard about before, which is the relationship uh, uh, between Pakistan, Russia, and China, but there is something uh, called the CPEC, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. I really don't have any idea what that is. All these Are all these things factoring also into why there is some sort of an international silence over the fact that he was almost assassinated in the past few months. I mean, if it were not for the people surrounding his house, I think they might uh, have gotten to him. Isn't that c- correct, uh, Junaid? And if you can mention briefly, because we have like uh, eight minutes to go only. Sure, sure. No, no you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, in fact, been uh, three assassination attempts on him. One, the one, one was very close to actually succeeding. So this, this has been Plan A. Plan A. <laughs> plan. There's not, there's not Plan B or C. This was actually the first plan: assassinate, assassinate uh, Imran Khan. And um, uh, they, uh, for many of us, fortunately, did not succeed. But yes, I mean, they were. This is. Uh, th- this should give you an indication of how much. 
all of these establishment power centers, be it within the country or outside, meaning Washington, London, etc., wanted this guy out of the picture. Um, and so, uh, uh, but beyond that, I mean, cooked up charges, lots of charges against him for treason, terrorism, this, that, and the other, etc., over this past year. But the guy was simply so uh, popular amongst the people. Um, and the other th- reason why the military, which is, which is, I mean, fifth, sixth largest military in the world, it's an incredibly powerful military, um, did not, uh, you know, go after, did not, did not engage in that repression that it is now, uh, this whole year, is because uh, within the uh, military itself, huge divisions, uh, the officer corps, uh, the mid-rank and junior rank officers, a lot of support for Khan. In the, sold, in the, in the soldiers, I would say more than 90% <laughs> are with Khan. So you had a situation which is uh, unprecedented in the country, in which even within the military itself, the civilian uh, prime minister, or at that point the former then uh, prime minister, was more popular or more well-respected than the chief of army staff. So it was in a, so this was really in, interesting. But yeah, but you're right. The the geopolitics of it is incredibly important as well. This uh, CPEC you're talking about, Chinese, it's the Chinese Pakistan Economic Corridor. Now we know uh, by now that uh, it's now been made crystal clear that uh it's it's not the war on terrorism is gone etc etc that's not what we're worried now it's a great power rivalry and that type of competition that the u.s is interested in and that that's mainly china russia and china but mainly china now and so that's why the united states was getting very very worried every speech that khan would say would speak about china uh, uh, China's development model uh, in, in very glowing terms, how it got 850 million people outside uh, out of poverty, etc., that type of thing. And he had a very go- good relationship with President Xi. And, um, and it was at that Winter Olympics in uh, February 2022, uh, <clears throat> 2020, uh, yeah, um, that uh, it, Putin was also invited. And that's where Putin actually extended the invitation. He doesn't extend invitations to many people, by the way. <laughs> to come uh but 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 uh yeah no I, this this uh, you, uh folks should know that uh, the, the the chinese have a, a huge kind of uh project known as the bri initiative the belt and road initiative that is meant for this kind of large eurasian integration in which they wanted you know integration of of uh, of asia but also you know going into europe etc i mean uh, of infrastructure of development of you know um trains and so on and so forth they wanted to build etc um and the United States uh, just completely, uh, you know, d- d- detest this, that this uh, expanding uh, influence of China, not militarily, not militarily at all, but just economically, economically. Uh, right, relationships with other countries, etc., in Africa and Latin America, and obviously in Asia, etc. So uh, the Afghanistan, uh, once the Americans left, uh, were forced to leave Afghanistan, you know, Afghanistan, they were there. One of the reasons they, they want to be in that region, whether it's a Central Asia or Afghanistan or Pakistan, is to be near China to engage in types in all types of subversive activities to sabotage these programs. CPEC was is one of the main 
uh, flat, uh, aspects of that BRI initiative, which is basically connecting China to a very strategic port in Pakistan known as Gwadar. Uh, and 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 it's and so the, the, the Chinese the calculation is that if the Americans ever did decide to go to war and blockade trade um, and try to bring China to its knees that they could go through there to, through Pakistan. So the the, the Pakistan Chinese relationship uh, is a very strong bilateral relationship in which it's actually mutually interdependent. Both of them benefit right. from it. So, very, uh, very but, interesting, but, but, yeah. Junaid, yeah. but because we are running out of time, uh, what about the IMF? Uh, is Pakistan uh, like dependent on loans by the IMF? And for instance, Imran Khan didn't want that to happen. I this is was yes. it, this was not clear for me. Yes, this, I mean, absolutely. In his speeches prior to getting elected, I mean, of course, I mean, this is the the critics then have. Uh, have their have the right to criticize him, of course. Prior to getting elected, of course, this was a major theme of his. That uh, that the the reason why countries like Pakistan will never be able to develop is because of the dependency tr- uh, syndrome that they will have in borrowing uh, year after year after year from the IMF. Of course, when he was in power, he was also forced to do it because, I mean, they, he just did the, the foreign currency reserves were, were not enough. And so yeah, he's very much against uh, uh, against this uh, and because it's part of the general dependency trap that the global north puts, uh, puts the global south in so that the global south can never get out of that uh, dependency trap, that debt trap that they always claim that the Chinese are putting people in. It, that, uh, uh, that The real debt trap has always been to the IMF and World Bank over the past many decades uh, in, that they put on, in their, on third world countries. So, yes, no, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's another reason. So, I mean, you, our listeners should get a sense that Khan is an independent-minded uh, independent person when it comes to foreign policy. What, what are in the interests of, of his country? What are in the interests of the developing countries? Uh, and so on and so forth. That's at the top of his mind, not, not as it used to be in the Cold War, when basically it just served the interests of, of Washington and some of these Gulf dictatorships as well. Um, if you're just joining us, well, we're at the end of the show and um, we've been speaking to uh, Junaid Ahmed. He is a professor from Islamabad uh, in Pakistan. We're speaking about Imran Khan and what's happening there. And uh, we wish uh, everyone, especially in Karachi and uh, Gujarat, India and uh, uh, the the shores there, uh, safety as the cyclone is now making making landfall in that region. Thank you, uh, Professor Ahmed, for being on with us. We hope to speak to you again in the future. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, this is uh, basically uh, we're out of time. Thanks again for all our listener supporters who joined us and supported us last week. Um, and made us reach our goal. This is WMNF uh, Tampa, Florida. Our show is now every Thursday at 12 o'clock, 12.05 right after NPR. So see you at the same time, same place next week on uh, WMNF.org uh, or 88.5. NPR News is next. Have a great weekend and the uh, rest of your day.